Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me to continue this preview series is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? I'm good. The marathon continues, my man. Yes, it does. And uh, if you haven't already, check out our past podcasts. Um, at this point, we have, we have Houston, Houston out, uh, West Texas out, and now we get into San Antonio, my native region. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on. Spurs hat while we do it. Oh Jesus! All there right, where's my son's hat? I no, we don't need that. You know what? No, no. You know what? I'm, I'm. You, you did it. I'm doing you it. Missed, you missed. You missed. You missed the West Texas podcast. You could have. Oh, he's knocked my hat rack down. Don't care. You, you, I'm one upping you. You, you could have finals hat on. You, you could have done that during the West Texas podcast, but you didn't even think about it. So. Nope. No, I, I had to. I'm not. I'm refusing to to just allow the Spurs to take this over. So, so anyways. Uh, yeah, we got UTSA, Texas State, and UIW, um, three three uh, great colleges from San Antonio and ish area. Texas State, obviously San Marcos, which is about forty five minutes north of uh, San Antonio, but a place that I've been to plenty, and mm-hmm. a place that ish has been plenty. Um, oh, yeah. Man, it's gonna be fun. Let Let's get right into it. Let me get the timer going here. UTSA is gonna go first. Uh, let's see six minutes for each team for those of you who have not listened before uh, we might go a little bit over it because ish rambles sometimes oh so. okay yeah <laughs> here we go six <laughs> minutes um you <laughs> i want you to start with the utsa one uh men yeah utsa men all right go yep. ahead all right so um basically it's interesting that to look at utsa this year because the past couple years it's felt like they've been notorious underachievers um, they are a team that had arguably the best scoring backcourt, probably in the group of five, uh, on the mid, certainly in the mid-major uh, level, probably in the uh, group of five, and they did not advance past the CUSA quarterfinals in any year, I believe. So now Keaton Wallace and Javon Jackson are gone, and their biggest returner is Jacob Germany. Jacob Germany. So Basically, this this year becomes kind of a an interesting test study in what Steve Henson's doing, because long story short, the past couple of years they've been great at scoring, terrible at rebounding, terrible defensively, and Javon Jackson and Keaton Wallace both both play their parts in being terrible defensively because they're they weren't good defenders. But you would think sometime in there. And I think uh, Steve Henson also earned a contract extension in that early run. I think it was after Javon Jackson's freshman year, I believe. Um, so they were invested in what he was doing. And at the time, it looked like, okay, this is a program that no, that has something cooking here, right? Up-tempo style of play, high scoring, exciting guard play. Let's see where it goes. And it kind of didn't go anywhere outside of that. So now you lose that explosive backcourt. 
your returning returning best player is a solid scoring big who really doesn't rebound that well, isn't that great of a defender. Nope. And you're kind of heading into an ultimatum year. So I'm look, I'll look, I have Steve Henson's records up. 14 and 19 his first year, 20 and 15. I think that was a contract extension year. Uh, 17 and 15, 13 and 19, and last year, 15 and 11. You finish above, you've, you've barely notched above 500 three times in Conference USA play. And now, you know, if you're UTSA, you just made a change in women's basketball, right? We'll talk about them in a bit, but you made a pretty big splash higher there. Are you looking at men's basketball now? And are you saying, what's going on here? And do you think that this, this seems like a year where, albeit probably unfair because they are reloading a little bit. Um, this is the year where he's got to prove it. He's got to prove it this year. They have, a, I think they bring enough back um, by reloading. I don't mean like they're replacing the whole roster. They're yeah. replacing their two best players by far. Yeah. And they're returning everybody else. But the problem is everybody else wasn't that great. Nope. Nope. I mean, the first thing I have written down and I, there's a few things here. First thing mm-hmm. I've written down is what is this team's identity? And yeah. Because the last four years, it's been those two players, Key, uh, Jackson and Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been and those I will say the, the, thing that, the thing that I think that they failed to replace from that first year, I think, was they lost, um, I forgot the point guard's name, uh, Giovanni DiNicolao, who was an Italian mm-hmm. point guard. And yeah. he kind of, they had an undersized backcourt where Keaton Wallace basically played the three a little bit. And uh, DiNicolao was the playmaker. Yeah. And they never reestablished anybody else as that playmaker. I think he went pro in Italy or something. I think he left. Early. And he could shoot. And he could shoot, right. And so that allowed Javon Jackson, Keaton Wallace to be just pure scores. So then you put Javon Jackson as a playmaker, which he's not as good at. And they it's, tried it's, it last year. Do you remember yeah. early, early in the season? We were like, man, Jackson Wallace's numbers are down. They were at like 14, 15 points a game because they were trying right. to get others involved. It didn't it, it, it? They got some wins, but it didn't really work. It wasn't sustainable. Yeah. And they said, screw it. Played conference like normal. They put up a lot of points. Javon Jackson was great. You know, Keaton Wallace was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just didn't result in consistent wins. They went nine and seven in conference play last year. And you're like, okay, this is something that, could work and then they go and lose in the first round of the conference USA tournament and you're like all right that's it like we were like going to the tournament we're like this could be it this could be the the run this could be you play western kentucky in the quarters and if you get by them they didn't even get to western kentucky like that that was it was just over it was just Mm -hmm. over um at that point so um the identity of this team is gonna be interesting to me you look at just the roster to go through it quickly jordan ivy curry was all conference for freshman team last year expect him to be starting darius mcneil coming in from smu basically the sixth man over there expect him to be the scorer uh, cedric alley uh i have him at the three right now returning starter uh just kind of an all-around guy not great in anything but you know a capable guy um mm-hmm. at the four i don't know who they're gonna start they have a couple candidates here i have written down alu alu from mm-hmm. temple uh, community college six eight i mean maybe but then at the five you have jacob germany and uh while he's good uh there's a lot of solid bigs in conference USA say that i would take over him um i mean i don't know if, even in texas i mean you go through max fiedler for rice i'd probably take over him thomas mm-hmm. Dolphin or texas i mean you know you just go down that list i mean not to mention louisiana tech and uab which are big teams so yeah it's it's a team and then you look at the bench and i just don't no, they return. They return too much, in my opinion. Here, they return too much. They return too much because we know what these guys are, and we know that they're not that good. And their only newcomers are a couple junior college guys that you know maybe can try to do some stuff, but 
it's just it's not it's nothing special here and i'm really worried that they were 27th in pace last year are mm-hmm. they just gonna run? is that their identity right is that, i think they i mean they just run regardless you know, of players it's, it's all tempo right i was about to say i think that i'm curious about that because i'm trying to think i was trying to remember what his first year was like when he didn't have yeah and i want to say and i want to say that they were, they were pretty much the similar in terms of pace and and so I think, I mean, I think that's just his identity, which is interesting because he is a, a, he's a Lon Kruger disciple, isn't he? So like, mm-hmm. that's a little interesting that they're just kind of, that they were just kind of running gun. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I think that they have an interesting um, prospect in Lamine Sabali, who's the brother of uh, Satu Sabali from the way, from Dallas Wings, uh, formerly of Oregon. I believe he played prep ball in Arizona, but he's, uh, of course, their their German family. Um, he was a three-star recruit, 12th best prospect in Arizona. So, like, you know, he he's a pretty high, high caliber recruit. And if he is somebody that maybe works his way to being that starting or backup four, you know, that's something interesting. But like you said, there's – I would rather just bring in a bunch of guys like that that are intriguing – then just run it back with this team, right? Yeah, if there's no this, reason. right? I was about to say, so like him, he we could look at the end of the year and be like, oh man, Lamine Sabali came in, and you know they have something really interesting there, and and he's a guy that they can build this team around, and I would want more, you know, like two or three more guys like that. And then you say, yep. okay, cool, now it's a rebuilding year. They they we it probably buys Steve Henson more time to say like, look, I have this new class of freshmen coming in, um, but now it's like, okay. You have Jacob Germany, who's a junior, who, okay, he's, he's almost a finished product. You have a bunch of seniors and juniors who are fairly underperforming. Yeah, they have one freshman and three sophomores on this team. Yeah. That's it. it that, that's literally it. So, yeah. Um, I will correct myself. They did beat Charlotte in the first round of Conference USA tournament and then got uh, beat by Western 80 to yes. 67. And I remember that's that right. game. Uh, Western was up 38-25 at halftime, and UTSA never had a chance. So, right. there were our hopes. That was the, that's always been the thing for them is that, if if they're not shooting hot, they had no plan B, nope. right? Because they didn't they couldn't stop anybody to come back in games. And if Javon Jackson or Keaton Wallace were off, yep. that was kind of it, right? And so I think I think towards the end, Javon Jackson got kind of worn down because he was such a bulk of that scoring load that they had no plan B. So now you have to have a plan B, right? You have to like is it going to be a committee thing, right? I th- I don't think you can rely on Jacob Germany being your scoring output. He's going to have to be to some extent, but yeah. I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm really fascinated because this is a do or die year for Steve Henson. Like it just is, um, you know, he can't go. Uh, I don't know. Like to me, he can't go sub 500 and keep his job. I agree. Like, yeah. So it's, Again, I was a fan of this hire originally. Um, I think he really showed promise. I just don't think the roster construction's been what I think it needs to be for the, for him to for him to stick around. I think he's in. I think after this year, he has two more years on his contract. So I want to say that's probably why they held off on yeah. making a move last year. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, let's get to predictions. Yeah. Um, Eighteen game conference season in Conference USA. They are in the West with. Um, UTEP, Rice, North Texas, UAB, La Tech. Very good division there. Um, I have them as the worst team in this division by a decent margin. And I'm – oh, I didn't mention Southern Miss. Southern Miss was bad last year. I don't know if they how, how much better they've gotten, so maybe <laughs> they can beat them a couple times. Um, I'm going to go out of 18 games, man. I'll give them a little bit more credit than I probably should. I'm going to go 5-13. and 13. Mm. 
I was going to go, I was going to go a little bit up just cause I, I mean, they did go nine and seven. Right. And so like, I don't want to say they just go three and 15, right. That's not, that's not realistic, but again, that whole, that, that it was so much of their scoring load. I'm going to go optimistic too. I'm going to say six and 12, but it's telling that like five and, you know, like five and six wins are optimistic for us. Right. Yep. Um, and again, if they do go 500, if they go like nine and, or, uh, 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 I'm trying to think nine and nine or something like that, I think that's a good coaching job this yes. year. So I think he does keep his, if they get to 500, if they fall one game below 500, I think he keeps his job because I think that there's a lot of holes with this team um, that, that need to be fixed and we'll see if he does it. So yeah, I'm going six and 12. All right. I have, I have the document now. I was actually going to send it to you. I never did, but I have okay. now a running record of our uh, predictions. Nice. So, okay. This is good. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's get to the women now. Yes. Six minutes, even though we went over it last for the men's, but six minutes starting now. Uh, last year, to quickly recap, they went 2-18 and 18 and 0-14 and in conference play. Um Karen Aston is hired as the head coach, uh, obviously a pedigreed past uh, history, um, good connections to Jaylee Mitchell at UNT. I saw a lot of North Texas people congratulating her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at the roster that she brings in and it is a couple, a couple starters um, mm-hmm. returning, but then you get a lot of the transfers coming in. A lot of them are from the junior college ranks, uh, a couple from there's one from Nevada. There's one from Lamar. Uh, but then you have Blinn College, Coast, uh, Gulf Coast State, and Grayson College. You know, there's a lot of different pieces. It's a very new roster, and it's kind of something that Karen Aston can mold to her own liking. You know, mm-hmm. nobody's really going into this year expecting her to do a 180 and turn this into a 8-10 and 10 team in conference play or anything like, like that, or 9-9. Nine and nine. This is a year where she can settle in and she can find her – find her wits, figure out what she has, figure out what she needs and go, go into next year uh, with a better idea of what she can do in conference USA. Yeah, I think so. I think I like this hire a lot. I think that she gets a lot of, she got a lot of criticism for what happened to Texas and she wasn't bad at Texas, right? She just wasn't what Texas wants to be. Yeah. Um, she did. So- I, th- I think this is more her level. I'm surprised that she, I don't know if she just was turning down offers or if she got calls, but it is surprising that, you know, a pretty poor UTSA program is where she ended up. Cause I think she is better than this in terms of where she could have probably gotten a job. I wonder if this was just something she liked the region. She liked the potential of this. Cause, and I'm wondering if she's able to get a lot more cachet because of that in the program. So, you know, UTSA starting, they're quite literally starting from the bottom, right? This is a program scratch, that's complete been, scratch, complete scratch. This is a program that's been very poor and they're bringing in somebody who has gotten it done at the mid-major level, right? Charlotte, North Texas, even if she got to an elite eight, she's got to sweet 16s at, at Texas, obviously. Um, I mean, again, she got, she got fired after nine and 11, 19 and 11, sorry, at Texas. Right. And so like, She's not a bad coach. And so, of course, it's going to be a rebuilding process. I think they're definitely going to be better because I think just an influx of talent, immediately readily available talent. They can't be worse. Literally, they cannot be worse. Like, that is the other thing. The other, the One of the other big things is they're a pretty good rebounding team. And I think that if you take that foundation, they had some – like, I'm trying to look right now. They were 28th in offensive rebounds per game 
last year, right? I think if you can build on just some just some of the talents with that, you can do some things because they were bottom shooting, re, uh, defensive rebounding, defending. Like they were again, three hundred second in field goal percentage, three thirty one in in uh, field goal percentage allowed. This is not a good team, but they have that foundation of rebounding, which means there is some kernel of something there that you can hang something on. And so I think that there's something to work with. They're not going to be, they're not going to be as bad as last year. I'm going to put it that way. I think there is a uptick this year. I don't think it's probably, uh, it's not blowing anybody away, but I think that when you look at the lack of experience this year, I think you look at the, the bunch of new names coming in. I think there's going to be room for optimism by the end of the year. I'm interested because she didn't go out and get, and obviously it's hard for coaches to recruit out of high school when, you know, with, with the coaching change, recruiting at high school can be hard, right. but you look at the roster, it's almost all juniors and with a few seniors and mm-hmm. a couple sophomores, like there's really not any freshmen on this team. So yeah. that kind of indicates, I think she thinks that it's not going to take years to turn this around or at least to be, be competitive with sure. the middle of conference, you would say, right. I feel like after, you know, after this year, you start looking at next year being like, all right, can we go from what, however, you know, what four, four wins in conference, you would say to seven, mm-hmm. like, and then go from 10 from there. Like at that, at that point, then you'll get started getting players in their fourth and fifth years. I thought that was an interesting thing when looking at the grades of the players and then not for nothing, I think, I mean, Jaden Pimentel, I don't know how to say her name, uh, five foot two, but I mean, a lockdown defender from Lamar basically started at Lamar every single game last year. You bring in a little bit of identity and experience at that position. And then you do have your returners, like you said, at the rebounding, I mean, especially offensive rebounding. I have both their forwards being basically returners. Obviously, that could change. I don't know mm-hmm. who exactly is going to start, but um, you have a six five. A uh, player in Elena Bland, uh, Blanding, uh, so you have height there. Um, you have some five ten guards and wings uh, fr- uh, from Nevada. Lapreza Johnson, a five ten mm-hmm. graduate senior from Nevada. So there are pieces here. I'm interested to see what her mindset is and what her identity is and what she tries to mold this team into being. Because I think that Jaden Pimentel pickup is mm-hmm. is really big because that's a all conference defender that she got there. Sure. I think that she's going to be somebody that they that they definitely balance off of. I think uh, having Yuliana Valcheva back, who I believe averaged about ten and six last year, um, she's back in the post. Uh, the couple of the scoring guards I wanted to hint at was Haley Atwood from Blinn, uh, basically eighteen point per game score as a sophomore coming from Blinn, and then Queen Alabo, who was about a sixteen point per uh, game score coming from Barton. Instant scoring punch again. They're not going to tra- directly translate to that, but. I do. That's a good point you made about the how like somewhat experienced this team is in terms of how the talent she brought in. Because you look at Conference USA this year, it's gonna be a little bit of a turnover next year, yeah. right? This is North Texas's year, right, to probably get yeah. something done. Uh, uh, you, this and is UTEP. probably La Tech's year. UTEP's this is probably a big year for UTEP. Um, Rice is obviously they're rebuilding as well, and so like it's gonna. I think, I mean, UAB, this is UAB's year too. So like, mm-hmm. I think you look at next year and if it is like a good group of juniors and seniors for UTSA that hover maybe around 500 this year, next year, all of a sudden, maybe, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that's a pretty smart, smart strategy from them going for experienced Juco players as opposed to like sophomores or something. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think she 
took the job expecting to suck for three years in a row. Right. That's that's the thing. I think she comes into this being ambitious. Not that any coach goes into it expecting to be bad for a long time, but there's still sure. you know strategies for everybody. Right. All right, let's predict. Um, UTSA women's, you can go first. This Ooh, okay, so let's put it this way. They are winning a game because they did not win. <laughs> I believe they went 0-14 last year in conference. Yes. So first off, yes, they are winning a game. There you go. I think I'm going to go with about four and 14. It's going to be rough um, because I do think that the con- this year, the conference is really deep and that's my concern. Yeah. So that's going to be my only thing. I think four and 14 is about, I, I, I would not be shocked to see them maybe hover around five and 13, six and 12. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to be a little bit pessimistic here and say that it doesn't all gel right away. Um, and that they go about four and 14. Yeah, it's it's hard to predict this team with so much turnover. Um, but we do know what the rest of Conference USA has, and the rest of Conference USA is, like you said, this is they're they're gonna get the best shots of every team because like they're not they're not gonna go into these games and be like, all right, it's just UTSA. Like if North Texas plays UTSA, North Texas gonna be like, we have to win this game because UTEP is a game behind us and mm-hmm. we can't lose it. Like so, sorry UTSA, you're gonna get your teeth kicked in here. Um, <laughs> right. I. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go four and 14 as well. There All you right. go. Four and 14 for UTS. Like the higher, just, you know, year one. It's going to be year yep. one. For sure. All right. Next up, Ooh. we got the school from San Marcos, Texas. Yes, sir. Produces oh. only the best Dave Campbell's <laughs> Texas football writers oh, and basketball. <laughs> All right, Alrighty. Texas State, man, you go ahead. All righty. So uh, last year, 18 and 7, 12 and, thir- 12 and 3 in conference. Obviously, they get, they get upset by App State, who ends up, I believe, going to the Sun Belt Championship in the tournament. Yep. In overtime, uh, 76-73. But considering everything, right, they had a huge scandal with um, uh, Danny Casper prior to the season. He gets out. Uh, he resigns. I believe is officially a resigning. He resigns. Terrence Johnson, assistant Terrence Johnson, takes over, and like they they lose. I believe to Our Lady of the Lake pretty early. So like things are looking pretty dire, and people are like, okay, well, what's kind of going on here? All of a sudden, they just kick into gear, and they like I mentioned, they go twelve and three in conference. They are instantly one of the hottest team, one of the hottest mid majors in the country overnight, and. They return everybody. <laughs> they basically bring back everybody. And I think that's the biggest reason for optimism is because they they almost lost Isaiah Small to the transfer market, right? He he went to the he entered the transfer portal, was was legitimately getting uh, I believe uh, Jeff Goodman tweeted out, you know, Florida, tech, yep. Texas, Tennessee, right? There was legitimate offers. He decides to come back. Insane, insane coup. I don't, I do I was talking to uh I was talking to Terrence Johnson at coaching school and he was like, he, he, you could like, I asked him about Isaiah small and he's like, yep. <laughs> he was like, he was almost physically wiping the sweat away. Like, yep. We, uh, we held on to him. And uh, yeah, a dude that just burst onto the scene last year is uh, uh, from junior college and they bring back basically that starting five. I know they lose, um, uh, I believe it's uh, Alonzo Sule. Yeah. But that's their only, that's the only starter they lose. And they, he, I think what he did differently from Casper, he gave them a little bit more freedom on offense. There's the same defensive intensity that's there. 
there's the same, there's the same slow pace we were joking about before the show that both Texas State and UNT both play ungodly slow basketball on offense. Um, but what he did was he adapted, he let them, I think, freelance a little bit more. Casper was very, very regimented in the motion offense. You know, you don't do anything outside of the rule books. Yeah. And TJ was letting them in the half court make risky passes. He was letting them freelance a little bit more. And that resulted in, I believe, the sixth best three-point shooting team in the country last year. They almost shot 40% as a team. And they still kept up somewhat of the defensive intensity, right? They sacrificed it a little bit, of course, because, yeah. you know, they, were, uh, they weren't getting as many turnovers. They, were, they let their guard down a little bit. And not Just, for nothing, defensively, I, they, they have a really good system. I don't know, personnel-wise, they're not this suffocatingly long team that's going to – like, small is obviously long, yes. But right. the backcourt, I mean, you look – um it's mason basically Harrell. five nine six three six three basically right right and that's yeah, not mason harrell's sense. mason harrell's very active on 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 offense but he's you know he's, like you mentioned he's five nine right yeah. um i know caleb asbury's back and shelby adams is back but you know they're they're not huge guys and so yeah i think that tj was of course rewarded with the full-time job after the year i probably should have gotten it a lot sooner than that but um i'm really optimistic for this um i think this is a conference contender no doubt i think that considering where last year ended up, I think anything less than a good run in the conference tournament is a disappointment because I think they were caught off guard a little bit by a hot shooting app state team. Um, and a lot of teams were, like I said, they made, they have been making a championship run. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally excited and I get why people are really excited for this team. I mean, you, you say that it's the, the expectation is to at least make a good run. I mean, I think you got to win it. Probably. Yeah. No, this, yes, I mean, yeah. At this point, by, I should say by that, I mean, probably making the championship game at the very least. Yeah. Like yeah, if they yeah. don't make the championship, sure. you're like missed opportunity. You no, know? for sure. For sure. So yeah, no, that's, that's, I'm, that's what I'm interested in. This is the, now it's a pressure situation. Here. Now it's mm-hmm. expectations here. So if something goes wrong, it's not like, oh, this is a new coach. This is, you know, a different, a new team ish in a way. This right. is if something goes wrong here and you lose two games in a row to someone you're not supposed to, or lose to back to back on the road somewhere. It, then you have to come together as a team. And that's where Terrence Johnson's going to be pushed to keep the continuity, keep everybody going. And I mean, with this, so many seniors on this team and the starting lineup, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that. Sure. But it is just the pressure of this is y'all's last year, a lot of y'all's last year. Mm-hmm. You have to go win this thing. This is not negotiable to a degree. Like, And right. the, I, I do have a couple questions here and maybe mm-hmm. you can help me answer them. Um, they're not an overly big team. Even yeah. when you look in the front court, right? Six eight, six eight. They do have, I think, what is it, three six eight players and two six nine players. So that's not small right. by any means. Um, but I mean, one of those guys is Isaiah Small, who's more or less a stretch. He's not really a traditional yeah. big. So yeah. So that's why I'm interested, uh, size wise, um, how they kind of compare. And the Sun Belt's not overly huge, so I'm not worried mm-hmm. about that. Um, the depth of this team as well. We talked about they don't lose any starters. Uh, they do have a couple of new guys in. The rotation, I presume, uh, mm-hmm. Ty- Tyrell Morgan, I think, should be in the rotation here, coming from jun- junior college ranks. Uh, I have uh, Nate Lacewell is a San Jose mm-hmm. role player coming in. Uh, and then there's a couple other players as well. But I'm interested to see how the depth goes. But, you know, maybe they just don't play anybody off the bench. Even, worst case scenario, they probably just roll those five, six guys out there and, and be perfectly fine there. So um, that's one th- interesting thing i'm gonna watch and then the last thing i'll say which i want your response to mm-hmm. last year we obviously we saw them lose to app state um 
when App State shot the lights out. Right. With this slow pace, is there a concern that when teams get hot, it's going to be a struggle to kind of keep pace to a degree? Yeah. So that's where I think a full offseason under TJ will be interesting because that's an issue they've had going back to Casper, where if they if they just face a hot shooting team that they just put their hands up and it's just like, we just got to find a way to match it. Um, because yeah. So I'm wondering how much of that was, you know, you can only practice so much during the season and really implement different things. And I want to say Casper resigned like in October, September, October of last year. Mm -hmm. And so it was very much like a quick turnaround. So that's where I'm curious to see, do we see a difference, right? If we face a hot shooting team that, you know, is there a counter now? Do they play a little bit higher of a tempo? I don't know. Um, some of the other, some of the interests, the front court is the issue with this team, right? We mentioned Isaiah Small, but I mean, I mean more of the five. Alonzo Sule was a guy for them. He was a big energy guy. He could run the floor. He could finish. He was pretty good. He was a good shot blocker. Now, okay, is it Nigel Caesar? Is it Nate Lacewell coming in? Is it Nate Martin coming in? Um, and so that's the concern for me is that, Sule was such an athletic guy for them. And I think Quentin Scott to another example, who I think also transferred, I forgot where he ended up, but um, they were guys who you were looking at like, okay, there's some, there's, there's the athleticism and kind of the explosiveness in the front court. And now there's a little bit of a hole there. I think Nigel Caesar plays there. Um, And I do think it was a very concerted effort on their part to, I think Nate Lacewell was the only like, legit transfer who would probably play like pretty quickly yeah they didn't make a a, a talking around they're talking around the program they didn't make a concerted effort they they chose to focus on the guys they were recruiting in high school they the transfer market basically shoring up that isaiah small was coming back was their only concern pretty much yeah they didn't didn't want to go out and get you know a bunch of guys that we've seen a lot of teams in the state do because they really wanted to stay committed to the guys that they liked in the recruiting rankings in the recruiting market so that was a concerted effort. Will that backfire now that they do have a hole at the five? We'll see. You know, that I think again, when you're looking at this team, I think that's the biggest hole so far. Um, but yeah, other than that, I I'm I'm a huge fan of this team. I think this is as far as chemistry goes, this is probably the most cohesive team in the conference. And uh yeah, I think probably outside of Georgia State, this is probably the favorite to win, I think. Yep. All right, let's predict. Um I guess I guess I'll go first since go for it. it's your team uh uh, 16 games 18 games uh this is a 18 games okay 18 games texas state i i i really think that they're going to be better on def i mean better on both sides of the ball i think they're going to be able to play with a lot of different teams this year Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 14 and 4 okay 14 and four. Okay. I'm going to go, man. I'm going to go about, see, you know, what the issue is though, is that because how last year ended up, the Sunbelt was one of the only conferences to only play divisional schedules. Mm-hmm. And so they barely touched the East. And that's yes. what worries me. Again, they played App State East team and they get beat. So I'm going to go 13 and five. That's a good point. The East was a better division. The East was a better division. I think Georgia State's the best team in the conference. Um, I think App State will be better. And so I think they pick up another loss or two. So I'm going to go 13 and five. All right. Texas State. 
All right, let's get to the women's. All righty. We are running a little bit over our six minute mark ish. And yeah, I uh, know I ran, I ran long on that one. My bad. Yeah. And just want to let you know, just want to <laughs> let you know, not a big deal. <laughs> um, all right. Six minutes on Texas state women. Uh, you can go first. Uh, shout out to coach, coach Antoine. Yeah. If you haven't listened to our interview with her, go back and listen to it. She's one of my favorite coaches to talk to basically in any sport um, anywhere. So uh, yeah. So they were 11, 11 last year, <clears throat> seven and eight in conference they the past couple of years they've been kind of searching for that breakthrough season they've been very much okay and not they haven't tanked and they haven't reached the heights of when they were one of the when they made the conference championship i believe two or three years ago so this year could be finally the year to maybe change that they bring back most of everybody they have all conference caliber talent in Denasia hood in uh um uh, uh, kennedy taylor Caleb Bowie as well. I think this is an interesting team that it's a very much a projection pick, right? They're a 500 team more or less last year, but you've seen kind of them creep back up slowly into conference contention since bottoming out two years ago. I think coach Antoine knew what she had when she brought in this recruiting class. And I think she finally realizes that this is the team that could really punch up and compete. I, I, this again, this is the team that's always had a for until last year, they had a size issue. And Denasia Hood basically came in and solved so much of that. They became an, a decently, uh, uh, they still weren't great on the boards, but they were good at defending the boards, I think, which is weird to say. Uh, they were about 54th in offensive rebounds allowed per game. And they were good, they were pretty good at three point defense. They were, they, I think, they defended the three point line to a sub. 30% uh, clip and they got to the free throw line. And I think that they were, I think they're going to continue that. I really think that they're going to take some strides in the offensive in the, in the rebounding category as a whole. I'm excited to see where this team goes. Um, they do lose Avion Alexander, who was a pretty big player for them on the, on the perimeter, but I think Kennedy Taylor is ready to take kind of a next step for them. And I kind of, I'm really looking forward to some of the interesting transfers they're bringing in as well. I believe, uh, I can't remember, was Gabby, St- Gabby Standiford comes Standiford. in? No, she, yep. she was last, I think she was here last year, but she was kind of uh, uh, coming in a little in bit out. more. Yeah. yeah, exactly, in and out. So I'm interested to see how she does. I'm really interested. To, I, I really like this team a lot. I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant because, you know, it could, not every improvement is exponential. Yeah. You know, they're not always just going to keep getting better and better, but this is the team that, you know, Coach Antoine's kind of been recruiting to the past couple of years. I mean, is this the team that returns the most players in, in Texas that we cover? Like, I have it written down. Yeah. The only newcomers here are uh, Jonah Johnson from Texas Tech um, and two freshmen. Mm-hmm. Those are all the I Maybe I missed someone. I don't know. Right. But literally, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven returners, and the four returning starters. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, this is like that's an incredible amount, and there are a lot, a lot of them are older, right? Kenny Taylor, senior, Shaquille mm-hmm. Bowie, senior, Gabby Stanford, uh, graduate senior, Lauren Thompson, Hood's a senior as well, Hood senior, Tiana Eaton, redshirt senior. Yeah. Um, it's an experienced team. I mean, this is kind of this is the you have to win here this is their shot yeah this is the shot you have to go you're taking your shot here um you bring up the size 
Um, I, I do. I understand Denasia Hood and Lord, Lauren Thompson are very good players here. And Denasia mm-hmm. Hood especially solves a lot of those uh, size problems that could pop up. But behind her, you still don't have much in sure. terms of the size. Like, I don't think they have a player over 6'1", at least listed on this I roster. Think J- I think Jada Reed, she played... I'm curious what the issue, the issue with Jada Reed is. She, yeah. she battled injury last year because she played a lot as a freshman or a sophomore. I saw that. And then she's kind of just dipped. And I want to say there's injury in there. She, yeah, I hope she gets she gets back. But, I mean, yeah. even her, she's listed at 6'1". Right. Listed at 6'1". Here. And sure. I know size isn't everything in, in women's basketball by any means. But, um, you know, it, that's an interesting aspect. If Denasia Hood gets in foul trouble, if she goes to the bench um, – where does the front court production tick up or is that more pressure on Kennedy Taylor and Bowie and Standifer and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say they do have a lot of players at six foot one and five ten. Like, so it's not a size problem across the board. It's just, right. I'm interested and it might not even be a problem, but mm-hmm. you know, cause they were able to rebound in areas. They were only minus 1.1 in the rebounding margin, but it, that's an area I'm interested to see because you have a lot of returners. You kind of know what this team is, but where's, does the size lower their ceiling at all or what lowers their ceiling? Sure. I think that to me, if I'm being honest, I think the thing that lowers their ceiling is trying to figure out what to do with the other guard spot because Kennedy Taylor comes in, right? She is the probably the best point guard in the conference average about five assists, I think. And I think they were, let me see, they were third in assists per game in the conference. Um, and they were third in field goal percentage in the Sun Belt and two and number two in two point percentage. She was setting up a lot, right? And so, like, I think she can keep that going, but you lose your secondary playmaker, you lose your secondary score on the outside. You know, is is that kind of the question mark, right, with this team? I think Avion thinks she averaged over 38 minutes a game. Um, you know, is that the I think that's the concern of every if anything. And Maybe the depth just, you know, is next man up mentality. I think she was also their best three-point. Yeah, she was their best three-point shooter too. Yes. So I'll tell ah. you, I'll, I'll say this. Kendi Taylor's assist to turnover ratio is great. It's over two to it's two to one, basically. Yeah. Um, last year. Everybody else on this team was turn assist to turnover ratio did not was not good, was not impressive right. at all. And as a result, they committed, I think, three more turnovers than their opponents in games. Mm-hmm. So Kendi Taylor with the ball in her hands offense or or Denasia Hood with the ball in her hands I feel really comfortable with everybody else around it has to still prove it to me a little bit here mm-hmm. forward. yeah all right ready to predict all right let's do it I think we got I think it's I think it's 18 as well yeah all right 18 games <sighs> um they went seven and eight last year in the Sun Belt and again that's by divisions they did not play the east I believe so I'm going to roll. I'm going to go with a 10 and eight pick for uh, the women's basketball team at Texas state. Okay. Say you. So let me just say right now, they're going to lose two games to Troy because Troy is the fastest team in the country and Texas state is not good enough defensively to stop, to slow them down. And they're not, I don't, as good as they are offensively, they're not going to be able to keep pace. So I think that's automatically two losses from the East. I think I'm going to agree with you. I think I'm going to go 10 and 8. I feel a little bit optimistic picking 10 and 8, but I feel like 9 and 9 is kind of a floor. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, this is this is very much a – you mentioned it. This is their year, and it's also a team that, while we think they could be good, it's also a show-don't-tell kind of thing, right, where it's yeah. like 
you know, you have a lot coming back. So now, you know, the, conversely, the men have a lot coming back, but they also competed and were one of the top teams in the conference. Now it's like, okay, now the, these, this team has to step up a level to kind of reach where we're thinking that they need to, that they can be. So, yep. All right. Incarnate word. Let's Ooh. get to the, the birds. All right. San Antonio. Do they play? They play UTSA, right? They can, they can play. They do. Super- First game of the season. They can play for supremacy of the, of the city. <laughs> November 9th. Um, November 9th, I believe Let's it is. Let's uh, go. I will be tuned into that one. Texas at UIW, man. I can't I can get my one UIW game for the game for the year in. <laughs> Anyways, I really shouldn't say that when we're previewing UIW for anybody listening. Um, I love incarnate word. Here we go. Look at that, man. You're just slandering your six ears. minutes. Six <laughs> minutes. Six minutes. Uh, let me restart the timer. All right. Uh Dr. Carson Cunningham going into, I believe, his third year. Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe his third year. Uh, eight and 14 last year, five and nine in the Southland Conference. Uh, no more Keaton Willis is the headliner, really. Um, goes to Louisiana Tech, uh, 19 points per game. Uh, they do bring back Brandon Swabby, uh, eight points per game, and they add graduate transfer Johnny Hughes for 18 points per game from Mount Olive. And mm-hmm. I don't know what level Mount Olive is. I'm assuming it's a community junior college of some sorts. Um, <laughs> but they were minus 3.7 the rebounding margin last year. Uh, they, the number that really stood out to me, and for these, a lot of these teams previews and stuff, first thing I do is I go through the team numbers and just see what stands out to me about last year's. Mm-hmm. They shot 37.4% from three. Yeah. And their opponents shot 30.5% from three. Mm-hmm. And yet this team finishes at eight and 14 on the year. Yeah. And you, then you look at it and you're like, okay, nothing else really goes crazy. And then you get to the turnovers and the turnovers just bit them. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me here if you do, but the turnovers mm-hmm. bit them in the butt. And to make it worse, they were steals. Like opponents were stealing the ball from them. It was not like it's a pass going out of bounds. Like right. they were legit live ball turnovers that they were getting burnt on the other way. Yeah. Um. So that's what it is. I still can't believe that they couldn't, you know, do better shooting 7% better than their opponents from three. That's just kind of mind numbing to me, mm-hmm. but here we are with this team kind of heading into another year of uh, hoping that they can improve. Yeah. I think their, their turnover percentage. So they were, they, their turnover percentage was 20, uh, they at 20%, which is 262 in the country. Ooh. Yeah. A lot. And they didn't, and they didn't force a lot, right. They were about, they, they forced under 20 turnovers and so and they didn't defend very well um in terms of the two point percentage two, two point three point percentage, percentage yeah two point uh, three point great fantastic right they were uh 12th in the country in offensive three-point percentage and 35th in the country in defensive right stellar step inside the arc 301st in two-point percentage on offense and 323rd in two-point percentage on defense I don't know how that happens both ways, like how you can be elite and then just step inside. And then all of a sudden you can't defend the post or defend the, you know, like anything. So um, they also couldn't get blocks. They only, I believe they had, they were at a 4% block rate last year, which is 333, 43rd. So again, there's stuff to fix, but there are things that were good, right? An excellent three point shooting team. And so, okay. But also Keaston Willis was a big part of that. Yep. He, I believe he shot 37%. So is Drew Lutz a guy that can kind of up his, up his, up his ante, right? He's going to have to be one of the, one of the guys that kind of uh, lifts that load um, a little bit now. 
I believe they still have Marcus Larson, I believe. Um, is he still I have the team? roster here. Oh, okay. Um, I think Marcus Larson is still on the team. He might not be. I'm scrolling down right now. I do not see him. So probably not. But we haven't mentioned it. This is a different Southland. <laughs> of course. That's always like the biggest X factor. They are also a pretty experienced team outside of losing um, uh, uh, Keaston Willis. Yeah. Bring back Brandon Swaby. He's obviously going to be the guy. Um, him and Drew Lutz, I think, are going to have to be the guys for this team. I think Brandon Swaby's percentages were really good, and I think it's possible that he – it's always interesting to have like really good shooting percentages with like really low point totals or not really low, but like yeah. sub 10, because what happens when you start needing to shoot more, does that percentage go down? That's kind of what we're going to test with, with uh, Brandon Swaby here is that he was an excellent three point shooter, but he shot about half the threes as Keaton Willis, Keaston Willis. So, you know, he's going to be their go-to guy this year, him and Drew Lutz in the backcourt. Does that change their, their shooting uh, now that they have to score more? That, that's kind of, that's kind of the question isn't it it's there's a lot of questions because mm-hmm. i i um am interested to see how they stack up against texas state because i'm worried texas state will just suffocate them and uh, make them shoot bad threes um you know does your identity change when keiston willis is gone because he didn't just shoot the most threes on the team he mm-hmm. almost shot twice as many threes as anybody else on the team right like i said yeah brandon swabby had like 70 and he had like 120 or something like yes. that right <laughs> yeah he had 112 uh second was uh logan brook Bra- i don't know however you say that had 90 okay. three-pointers taken and oh, then geez. after that yeah. it was below 70 for two players and then nobody else basically <laughs> um so those guys carried the load and they could shoot the ball really well right but obviously it didn't translate to two-point field goal percentage it didn't translate to success in the paint um they got to the free throw line a decent amount still but like, where is there's no in between game, which I mean, ideally, I mean, you're doing the right thing. You're shooting enough threes. You're making enough threes. Um, you're shooting them on a high volume as well. Mm-hmm. And, but then you look at the rebounding margin, you're getting out rebounded by three and a half a game. Basically. I mean, you're giving up the assist numbers are shockingly low for a team that shoots that many and makes that many threes. Like you would think a team that shoots a lot of threes and makes threes, you'd have a high assist number. They sure. uh, were out of. They had forty four less assists than their opponents in, in during the season. Mm-hmm. So, and like you said, they didn't block any shots, averaging less than two blocks per game. So, um, I have a lot of questions that I'm interested to see if the doctor Carson Cunningham can fix. I'm curious if I mean they they quote unquote addressed the size issues, right? They go get Kevin Shutt from Hofstra. Didn't play much, but he's a you know he's six nine uh, center. They get you mentioned uh, uh, Johnny Hughes, um, you know six eight from uh, from Mount Olive. Again, uh, six eight center. So there's some size that you know presumably one of those guys will play um, some decent minutes. Is that enough to to? Because uh, again, you don't. They don't need to be. To me, they don't need to be great. They just need to be not bottom seller, which is what they were in the country. So I'm curious if yeah, I'm curious how that looks. If that looks like if they're average. Does the shooting of Lutz, Swabi, and Bracamonte boost them just enough to be a better team overall if they just have some help in the paint? Which I think possibly. I mean, again, they were they were terrible in the paint. 
and they still what what was their record last year again um i have it right here sorry eight and 14 uh, eight and so 14 like, five and nine in the southland again that's okay five and nine in the southland that's solid in the southland when you when you consider they were an awful defensive team right yeah. <laughs> so i don't know keystone again there's the there's the kind of the intangible thing of like what does keystone willis what does this team look like both offensively and defensively without keystone willis on the perimeter but i don't know it's a weaker conference too much weaker conference much i mean we talked about it uh what was the last podcast we did on it uh tarleton state Mm -hmm. we talked about it at length i think houston baptist as well um you know you gotta worry only about nickel state houston baptist mcneese state a&m corpus christi southeastern um you know that's basically the southland for in in short yeah and uiw should be able to compete with those teams on a consistent basis i will say their 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 schedule because you mentioned texas state Buddy, then they get Baylor and Texas Tech in like the next three, uh, two of the next two games. Yeah, in the don't next don't three forget weeks. Concordia in there. I was mentioning the teams that their friends that went to Concordia. Shout out to Fair Concordia. Enough. They'll be favored against Concordia, but they're also going to get their teeth kicked in by Baylor and Texas Tech. That might be and an so, understatement. So they're gonna, so it's going to be like, what are we going to know about this team? Potentially one and three against you know they you know texas state there's a chance there, there's a decent game first game of the season against texas state but baylor and tech blow our losses so all of a sudden you're just like what do you learn about that team in the first month basically um you know maybe there's maybe there's a strategic thing there to be like look let's just put ourselves against the best competition and just have all the film possible to work with but i don't know we're not going to learn much about this team until probably december i mean not to pile on to these not to pile on to these cardinals uh but last year this schedule's nuts i'm sorry that's (laughs) last last year they played Stephen f austin once and abilene christian twice in their conference schedule and they lost all three of those games obviously um and but they were kind of close in a couple of them Mm -hmm. but they also lost to lamar by 22 lost to new Mm -hmm. orleans by 18 lost to houston baptist all three times they played them mm-hmm. one by 16 one by five and in, in the tournament by 12 like whew, I, they picked up their wins against AM corpus christi yeah and mcneese so like, I'm, so I'm, I'll, I'll give you i'll give you two projections so of course ken palm came out uh this past weekend um i use them and i use uh bart torvik who's another uh who's another projection um ken palm has them four and ten and Bartorvik has them seven and seven. Like, <laughs> like t- t- usually when you get these kind of numbers, yeah. there's like a correlation there where it's like, they're probably going to be near the bottom. They're, it's literally Bartorvik has, Bartorvik has them fourth in the conference. And Ken Palm, I think, has them finishing like second to last. So there is like a, there is a huge, very, they have them last. Ken Palm has them last. They're, not even the numbers can agree on where this team's going to fall. <laughs> nope. But um, last thing I will say, uh, yeah. they need to the, the roster. If you look at the roster online, mm-hmm. uh, they need to they need to get a better flash behind the damn camera because these things are dark. Have you looked at them? <laughs> I have like, not. Just pitch black. Why, background. Are, you, why are you attacking our uh, our SID friends? I was like, look at look at Kevin shoot. Look, <laughs> where's the why flash? You? Have you are you looking at this? I am. Robert Glasper. <laughs> 
Like, did they not have a flash available? Leave our SID friends alone, man. Hey, man, I hold this program to a high standard in the city of San Antonio, man. We need to buy these guys a flash. Get them a flash. All their photos look fine, except for, like, those two. <laughs> it's just I, weird. It's just, uh, when I went through the roster, I was just like, it was, like, one in the morning, because that's just when I prepare for these things. And I was just like. You're, like, squinting. You, they, they, had her on, the they had her on night down. mode. They had her on night mode they before you say when her eyes. The first thing I wrote down was, can we buy these guys a flash? All right. UIW men's. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah. There's 14 game schedule, you said? 14, uh, yeah. One four and fourteen. Man, okay. I'm just gonna four to four and ten. You mean fourteen? Four and ten. <laughs> they find a way to lose fourteen. Games. I was about to say, damn, you're handing them four more losses. Don't ask me. I'm gonna go with six and eight. I'm gonna be on the more optimistic end. I think that their conference does play into their uh, play into their hands a little bit. So anyway, they're closer to where you're from and where you live, so they're gonna come get you if they uh, <laughs> if, they, if they punch up above right. four and ten. All right. Last but not least is the UIW women's. Um, hold on, let me pull my tab up here. I have too many tabs open. I'm sorry. I know this is this is one of these previews are nuts this way. All right. Uh UIW women's. Uh I'll I'll start and then I'll hand it to you real quick. Yeah. Um UIW women's led by Jeff Dow going into his second season, six and nine overall, four and five in conference play. Um I mean, again, you just look through the stats of this team uh, and they were out-rebounded by almost four a game. Um, But then, you know, they returned uh, Jacqueline Moore, 12 points a game, and Star Mosey, uh, nine and six per game, 9.6 rebounds a game. And they add a 6-1 forward in Jamie Means from UL Monroe, who was in and out of the starting lineup over there. Um, I think there are some signs for this team to be better this coming Mm -hmm. season but I'm not exactly sure if those signs point to a big step forward. Sure. I think that's fair. Um, I think they were decently average last year in a lot of ways. Um, decently average. All decently right. average. You know, they were, they were quite literally, I mean, they, you know, they go 500. I think their numbers nationally aren't, you know, not great, but you look at a lot of their conference rankings and it's a lot of six out of 13, eight out of 13, you know, like it was a lot of that. And so, defensively you know not good offensively they shot they they shot a lot of threes they weren't that great at them right i believe they were fourth. yeah they were but they were fourth in the conference in three-point rate they shot I mean, their opponents th- their opponents shot 27 percent. so i don't right, know so it was like <laughs> just nobody making anything i don't know what the southland was looking like over there outside of obviously the good teams right i mean like so that's the thing right they weren't a very good three-point shooting team but they were about middle-ish of the country in rate. They again, thirty percent of their shots came from three, um, and they got. I, I think they got to the free throw line quite a bit. They were not good basically at all uh, defensively, except for, excuse me, three-point percentage. They were uh, they were pretty good, but they forced rebounding some steals too. To they did force some steals. That is true. Um, I think they were about. Uh, they were 92nd in the country. Okay, yeah, they did force them. That was a pretty good rate. Um, they, but they got beat on the boards. I believe they were 296th in offensive rebounds per game, 215 in defensive rebound uh, rate. Not great, but looking at the conference, they turned, you mentioned it, they turned the ball, they, they forced turnovers. They were, that they also kind of turned the ball over a little bit. Um, 
I think there's some. With that being said, they managed an almost 500 record, right? That's kind of the interesting thing with what Jeff Dow did. So I don't know if that was just really good coaching and if just continuity kind of helps that and they step, they pick it up a level. And again, they benefit from hashtag uh, different conference now. Um, I don't know. I think Jocelyn Moore is a, is a potential uh, really good go-to player for them. I think it's great that they bring her back. So freshman year, anytime a freshman comes in and averages double digits on pretty decent percent shooting, right? 35 isn't excellent, but it's not awful either. I think you have something to build on there. So Um, you look at the schedule last year and they almost beat UTEP lost by four to them on the road, which in the second game of the season, which is awesome. And then you go and beat UTSA. So battle of San Antonio, you know, you win that one by six. Uh, They don't play Texas state. Um, They have, there's three different stretches of postponed games from last year's schedule, which also makes Mm -hmm. it more difficult to evaluate this team. Right. I'm looking at it. There's four games in a row canceled. So they played the first four games, four games in a row canceled, play Texas tech, get blown out. Next four games postponed play SFA, get blown out. Next Mm -hmm. three games canceled, play three games in a row, win them next four games canceled. And then they finish the season. And they, there's like four or five games. They lose four of the last five games, and then they go in the mm-hmm. tournament and lose to Abilene Christian. So yeah. I feel kind of unfair saying that, you know, I feel like if this is a full season with this team, maybe there's some different outcomes here. Maybe that we get to see a little bit different of a team, but, you know, sure. it's that way for everybody in the country at this point. And this season is going to bring up um, across the board a level of consistency, a level of preparation that they, there wasn't last year, cross college mm-hmm. basketball, men's or women's. So I think there is some talent here. You mentioned it, um, but, and I think they do play, I have the schedule up right here for this year's team. They mm-hmm. play UTEP early on the first game of the season on November 11th Yeah, on the road. So that's a good test for them right off the bat. And then they play UTSA again on the road, which same city, whatever, on November 21st. So you're getting a couple good tests early on with Texas teams to kind of gauge your talent level. And if they show out in those, then then you have my attention here. Because like I said, I what a weird year that is to, to play through. Right. I think the other thing is that really interests me is outside of SFA, of course, they're blown out everybody, and Abilene Christian, they didn't get blown out last year, right? There's no like team that had their number Right. I'm looking at they lost by four to Lamar, lost by two to Corpus Christi, lost by their biggest loss, I think, is 11 to Lamar. Um, and then they lost. That was it. And then, of course, uh, SFA was blowing out everybody. But like out of the games they played in conference. And again, SFA is, you know, they're gone already. Uh, ACU is gone. So like. Yeah, they're they're. I think that they can compete with the teams that that are going to be there because they they've done it. The, their, their biggest competition that was kind of overmatched for everybody in the conference is gone. And so I'm kind of more optimistic. looking at last year's schedule in that capacity. I'm more optimistic now, I think, than I think I was originally looking at this. You ready to predict? Let's do I'm it. I'm feeling Fort- great. Ooh. Okay. I'm feeling it. great. I'm feeling eight and six eight for and incarnate six? word. Okay. Okay. Eight and do- six. Do they take the city championship in uh, against UTSA in week? Uh, yes, in uh, on November twenty first. Book it. Okay. I will not be there, but I will be there in spirit. <laughs> okay. Um, what, what was yours again? Eight and six. Eight and Jacqueline six. Jacqueline Moore is going to carry this team. Okay. Eight. Okay. I'm ready for it. 
I'm going to go with, I'm going to one-up you. Go nine and five. Oh, let's go. UIW, let's go. I thought I was going, I thought I was going up and he just what? comes and rains on my parade. <laughs> I, I right. wasn't going to go that high until I saw last year, how they actually did in last year's schedule yeah, in conference. Cause... Looking at last year's schedule really kind of boosted me up there. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, who, who needs to rebound nowadays, you know? <laughs> Just, just, just play. Rebounding's for nerds. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let me real quick. Let's see. See, now look at their roster photos. Oh, yeah. Look at their roster photos. Look, look I'm telling you, maybe Shep right right just now. came in. I, I look, but maybe Shep just came in on a bad day. Look and at it was them. Like, oh, look at them. Yeah, that's that's a You're they're all they're amazing. all perfectly lit. Yeah, a red backdrop. Yeah, it's black a good backdrop uniforms. Too. Woo. I'm telling you, maybe Shut just came in on a day. It was a bad day, and so it was like, oh, Flash wasn't working right. Photographer so. got stuck in traffic. They took it with their iPhones, man. Usually, <laughs> I just hey, it. been there, been there. <laughs> we got to make this work. <laughs> oh man, shout out UIW's um, SIDs. Yes. Anyways. All right, let's wrap this up. This has been a good podcast. Um, got done with San Antonio region. Uh, next up, we will have DFW one coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. TCU, SMU, and UTRGV, which RGV is not uh, in DFW. I was about to say, we, but, made, we took some editorial liberties with that one. <laughs> you know, if you look hard enough, you know, you can connect, <laughs> connect the two. They got a dude from DFW on the team, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, in theory, I should have put RGV at the very end, but screw it. Uh, RGV is in the DFW one pie. So check that out next. Um, check out our other podcasts if you haven't already. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know your predictions uh, on Twitter at DCT Basketball. Um, check us out um, our site at TextBasketball.com. Uh, follow Ish on Twitter, Ishmael R. Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore so you can send us your opinions. Um, and yeah, continue to check out the content. We will continue to go two or three times a week for the season. So thanks for joining us. We'll talk to y'all later.